Hello, my name is Jordan Preston. This is Back of the Class Podcast. And if A, the Montreal Canadiens were on a three-game losing streak, and B, Preston went out of her way to purchase a Montreal Canadiens jersey right before last night's game against the Leafs, which the Canadiens won, then C, I am single-handedly responsible for the Habs' success, and all Habs fans should bow down to me for it. Excuse me, class. <laughs> class. <laughs> Joining me at the back of the class today is Aaron J. Mir. Hello, Aaron J. Mir. Hey guys, welcome back to another tech video. That's a How good one. This doing? is actually the first time I've had someone who's practically famous on here. So I'm honored. I'm humbled. I have had Karen Edelist, who was in a very famous French Ooh. band, but she does not yes. come close to you with your both tech video and your childhood stardom. I mean, I do only have only 1400 views mm -hmm. uh, on YouTube. Why don't you in case I mean, if you don't know about this video, you're living under a rock. But why don't you just explain to the listeners what that video was, how you became famous oh, at such course. a young age, because you really are um a big role model to me in that way <laughs> uh i was 10 years old and i found a pre-recorded song on a old piano that was my sister's and then wrote lyrics to it after a couple months of like having it in the books i'm like you know what let's record a song and then i recorded a song when i was 10 and i got 1400 views on youtube yeah, called you recorded a song i'll be famous and a music video yes and you had choreography and you were wearing a fedora <laughs> and we also had a karaoke version it's, too and the karaoke version and it's called i will be famous mm -hmm. and honestly you weren't wrong you yeah. weren't wrong because look at you now i remember i i was so excited to go into my uh classroom in grade five and during the lunchtime i was i put it on the, the smart board oh wow you were proud <laughs> you were proud of that i was really proud as a joke i'd have people including myself type comments on the youtube video and i'd like be roasting myself and all of the comments got turned off by youtube because, of because the you were hating on yourself <laughs> because you were trying to make it seem like you had haters. Yeah. And YouTube was like, no. What if YouTube knew and YouTube was like, this kid needs to make friends. We're turning off his comments on his own video. I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, I thought it was really funny. Uh, I mean, that doesn't <laughs> entice you enough. Go on YouTube, search up I Will Be Famous by Aaron J. Mare because it was yes. a fake name. He left out one letter just for safety reasons. <laughs> to, to hide my secret identity. Yeah, exactly. Course. It was a really good ghostwriter moment yes. for you right yes. there. Just leaving out no, one, no one letter on your last name. Exactly. So Aaron, I'm very excited to have you on. In all seriousness, you are I'm honored to be on. I really a appreciate very it. Very close friend of mine. And you're quite funny. Oh, wow. What I'm about to say was that was going to be so <laughs> unintentionally mean. I was going to be like, let's you're, let's let's I was like you're so funny without trying to be funny, which is usually huh. what people say when they're like, we're laughing at you. But that's not the truth. We laugh together. Yeah. You just well, don't intend to be funny. Like you're not some people. I intend to be funny for the most part. I'm trying to make jokes. I think you're a funny person. Thank you. I think you have a specific taste of humor, mm -hmm. a very niche. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's that's why we connect on the way that we do because I have an odd sense of humor too. And even if you don't get it, you laugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I keep you around. So the first thing I do have to ask you, you're in school right now. I am not. Yes. I am lame. Uh, how's school going for you? 
I'm at Humber for health sciences at the moment. I just talked to the head director of like the program that I'm currently in to get a contact for the nursing department and I'm gonna try and shoot off a couple emails and see if I can transfer into first year nursing for Fancy. semester three. Oh my god, Aaron the nurse. I would totally want you to be my nurse. Aaron, since I've known him, has always had a first aid kit on him. Like he is Oh yeah, we you're never, not necessarily yeah. like you know how especially in girl groups of friends they have like who's the mom of the group who's always taking care of everyone Aaron's not necessarily like the dad or mom like the taker carer but he is 100% the on-hand doctor oh yeah I think you you were anytime we ever hung out you were waiting for someone to get hurt almost hoping for it to happen so you could help them I don't, I don't want to go super in depth into this because it could turn out to be a long story but I did use the first aid kit. there was a car crash that happened to me the other day <gasps> are you okay <laughs> No, no, it wasn't me. I turned the corner and there was a two cars collided into each oh other. God. And I like pulled over my car, grabbed the first aid kit, ran, was first on scene. One guy stopped his car to block off traffic. Good. I don't know if you've ever seen videos of people like sneaking into places with orange jackets on. No, why would I ever see videos of that? Why are trend... there videos of that? There's a trend where if you put on a construction like jacket and have like notepad you can walk into basically anywhere no one will question that's you. so terrible i hate that on so many different levels well the same thing happens if you have a first aid kit no one no one questions anything no one asked for like who the heck i am and i'm like directing traffic the cars are listening to me it was minor injuries it wasn't bad i don't think their airbags deployed in one of the cars so like uh, it was pretty it was pretty rough okay Get a new car. She had a slight abrasion on her like forehead, so like oh my I got abrasion. That's a big word. <laughs> I gave her some some ice and and everything, and then she like started calling the insurance. And I go back to the other car, and I'm like, "Ma'am, can I have you like step out of your car because I don't want you to be inhaling like the nitrogen from the airbag because her airbag went off and it was smelling up the car." I'm like, "Can you go into like the rear back seat?" And she's like, "No." And I'm like, "How come?" And she's like, there's a car seat. And I'm like, oh, okay. Is there a child in the car seat? And then she's like, oh no, my, my three-year-old daughter's in there. <laughs> what the heck? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I'm a little... Okay, wait. I'm not trying to like come for you, Aaron, because this is all very um, the right thing to do. However, I will say you probably should have checked the back seat. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, there's a three-year-old in the back of the car, and I open up like the back door, and then like the boyfriend is there with like the three-year-old daughter. And I'm like, are you guys okay? All right, because we're in the middle of the road and it's rainy and gross outside, so you can sit in the back of my car with like the trunk open, so you're not sitting on the curb where it's soaking wet, and your like three-year-old daughter can like sit and kind of try and calm down because the noises from the car going off and all the beeping and booping and stuff beeping and booping that's scary <laughs> for a three-year-old they don't like those yeah. beeps and boops i had welches in the back of my car and i'm like is there anything i can get you guys i have some like emergency we get it food. you're the best person ever i know no but the, the baby was like all happy and was eating the welches so you're fully equipped to be a nurse you don't even have to go to school you just keep welches and a first aid kit in your car and you know how to save the day exactly so you're in a program that's not really fitting yeah. for you and you talked to the most healthiest scientist because you said it was the director of health sciences so we're gonna assume she's the healthiest scientist or he who knows the healthiest, and um yes. and she might help you get transferred into nursing but no matter what program you're in i mean i guess it does it does matter but i want to know like where do you sit in the class? I feel like where I was as a student at the beginning of like high school is different than where I ended off in. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, I didn't like talking and I 
sat in the back of the class and that's where I met all my current best friends that I have today, including you in uh, science class. Oh, I was at the back of the class for that. Yeah. Okay, but wait, we have to elaborate slightly. There were like 10 people in that class. There were like eight people in that class. It was a small classroom. It was a very small class because we were taking the lower level. It was the not smartest classroom for the science (laughs) for grade 10 science i wasn't expecting it to be that small there were two classes for our level and the other class had more kids why didn't they just equal it out we had like the leftovers they also had more field trips they also went on field trips we never went on field trips never (laughs) we also didn't have a teacher for half the year do you remember that i do we had a revolving doors of substitutes because i guess someone went on someone went on maternity leave like a month in yeah and then we got a replacement who then got sick or something after that we didn't have a permanent replacement we just had like a new teacher every week or every day that was was a that was a whack class that was kooky it was fun to to attend though it was fun because you kept you brought in your guitar every day like we didn't even do science at that point yes so you did meet your friends at the back of the class at the start of high school and then as we progressed i'm like oh i should probably take things more seriously and when i got into classes that i actually liked I always did my best to sit at the front of the class and like kinesiology and bio was always front of the class, except for chemistry. But chemistry, I did not do good in. So So maybe it has a correlation, possibly. Yeah. Aaron, what is your experience with philosophy? I don't have a lot of it. I used to fall asleep by listening on Spotify, a philosopher named Alan Watts. I'd fall asleep. I'd put it You'd on my, put my Google. You'd a philosopher yeah. podcast on to fall asleep. That yeah. makes me feel so secure about my <laughs> listenership right now. <laughs> Should I start whispering for you guys? Are you, all trying, are you all trying to fall asleep right now? It's funny. Every time that I hear about philosophy, I always associate it with a fallacy. I don't know why. The- hey! that's good <laughs> well they are this they're no right the same i know but area. just yeah just because i've hung around like with like you and nikki mm-hmm. you're always joking about different fallacies which yeah. i think you did your topic with her was fallacies yes so. she does joke about that yeah. a lot because of our episode where i taught her about fallacies and also that is like the common trope of our high school the first thing you learn in that specific course at our specific school is fallacies and y- Everyone knew when you got to grade 11, there were just going to be a group of like 60 kids that are just going to go around telling you that you've just said a fallacy and it gets really annoying. So it is a very our high school experience sort of like awareness of philosophy. You think of philosophy kids and you think them and their fallacies. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Today, we are not talking about fallacies. We're not. We are not. What are we going to be talking about? That is an amazing question. This is actually the first episode of season four. You are the first episode of season four, which is a season totally centered around consequentialism. Wow. What What a word. Yeah. You've been practicing saying that word. A little birdie and told I, me. I, yeah, and I still still can't do it. I've tried I'll say it again for thirty minutes. Not slowly. I'm not gonna spell it out for you, and you're gonna try and repeat All it. Right. Consequentialism. Consequentialism. Hey, good job. You got it. We'll see That's if you. Only because you said it first, but I'll forget how to pr- properly pronounce it's okay. it. Last week we had a, an entire hour and a half conversation, me and Kershi, and she at the end of the day, at the end of the podcast, called it the back of the school 
so you can't really go wrong here um <laughs> not sure if i included that in the editing i can't remember but she did in I fact guess we'll find out. i guess we will find out so yeah you're lucky enough to join me today to start off the season and we're starting off the season about consequentialism with an entire episode dedicated to being the introduction into consequentialism i love it i'm so excited so we've spent the past five weeks at the back of the class exploring ethics. We've looked at ancient Greek ideas such as cynicism and stoicism and even the basic foundations of ethics like the good life. So ethics can be looked at from three ways, meta-ethics, normative ethics, and applied ethics. We've already covered meta-ethics in a two-part episode for episode 12, and our season finale last week, we began to explore normative ethics when we discussed virtues. So just a reminder, normative ethics gives us guidelines to follow when making moral decisions, and it tries to answer the overall question of how should people act. There are three types of normative ethics. Virtue ethics, which was covered on episode 13, consequentialism, and deontology. So the reason why I chose to do virtue ethics first is because it's really the only normative theory that's small enough for just one episode. And both consequentialism and deontology are so big and interesting that they deserve their own seasons. And I am nothing if not respectful towards giving philosophical theories the attention they deserve. So here we are. <laughs> I think the first thing we need to do is give a very quick recap of season three, considering we are recording this episode before I've released half of that season. So Aaron might be rightfully confused. <laughs> a little bit. Don't skip ahead. This shall be brief. So ethics is all about systematizing, big word, but creating systems, um, defending and recommending concepts of right and wrong, or good and bad. But at its core, the foundation of ethics was centered around this one question, which is what it means to live a good life. So people obviously have different answers to this question. Socrates believed that the good life was achieved through life examination, through self-awareness, reflection. The cynics thought that the good life can be achieved by living off of the bare necessities for survival. The Stoics thought that the key was to be in control of your emotions. So clearly we don't have a unanimous answer. The one thing we can all agree on, though, is how happiness plays a very important role in all of this. So we get this idea about happiness from Plato. Plato argued that happiness is a thing at the top of everyone's list. Happiness is the root of all of our ethical thoughts and all of our ethical practices. We all want to be happy, and we are all psychologically wired to think that happiness equals the good life. So everyone heard that argument and pretty much agreed that happiness is a universal human motivation for living the good life. I do agree. I don't know who I am quoting here. These next words are not my words, so credit to whomever said this in the first place. Whether it didn't come with a citation or I just didn't take it. I don't know who this is. It's not plagiarism, though. It's not me. We all seek to be happy. We seek everything for the sake of this, while we do not seek this for the sake of anything further. So we all look to be happy, but happiness isn't taking us to anything afterwards. The end goal is happiness, point blank, period. And yeah. people approach how to get there in completely different ways. And have different different meanings of the word happiness itself. No, incorrect. No, why is that? Because people have different meanings of a good life or goodness, but happiness is a feeling. We know what happy feels like. I see. Right? Okay. Like we know just because anger shows in different ways in different people, just because happiness shows in different ways in different people, we never have to explain to someone what happiness feels like because you just know when you're happy. 
Yeah. I mean, scientifically, this isn't a science podcast, but I mean, serotonin, like chemicals, like happiness is just something that happens. Yeah. So this quote, we all seek to be happy. We seek everything for the sake of this while we do not seek this for the sake of anything further. This quote directly relates to Plato's theory. Everybody wants to be happy. And in order to be happy, we need to live a good life. In order to live a good life, we need ethics. We need rules and criteria to abide by that ensure good moral actions. So we've discussed virtue ethics and the criteria that they follow there. Now it's time to move on to the big boys. I love calling philosophical theories big boys. I think it's great. <laughs> Let's get started. All right. So Aaron, what do you think right off the bat? I just want your own definition. Do not search anything up. Do not cheat. What do you think consequentialism means? Uh, I have two things that immediately come into my mind. I think about everyday ethics, and I think of the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect. Everything has a consequence, per se, and everything that you do will happen due to you doing something originally. I don't know how to explain No, that was this. a great explanation. Good <laughs> one. Right, cool. Very good one. Thank You're you. You're pulling out great words there, like consequence. And then there's like a weird, like ism but who cares everything has an ism nowadays <laughs> so yeah. consequentialism says that whether an action is right or wrong depends entirely on the result of that action so a decision is good if the consequence will be good to put it simply it's like saying the end justifies the means so there are a number of important areas of debate when it comes to consequentialism, so much so that I can have a whole season on them. Here we are. But when it comes to deciding things like who benefits from the moral action or how the consequences are judged and who judges them, different sorts of consequential theories answer in different ways. Let's just look at some examples of consequentialism through the lens or viewpoint of different theories, but I'm not going to name any theories because that's for future episodes and we ain't going to spoil them. Can't do that. We're still going to look at some different examples. All right. So what do you got for me? Some consequentialists focus on consequences that ensure maximum pleasure and minimal pain. So here's an example. You and me go to the ice cream store. There is only one strawberry cone left and one chocolate cone left. I want the strawberry ice cream, but I would also not hate having chocolate. You want the strawberry ice cream too. You want it a lot and you would hate having chocolate. So the right action to do would be for me to take the chocolate and you to take the strawberry because I may not be happy, but if the roles were reversed, you would be way more upset. We have maximized the pleasure and minimized the pain. I see. Moving on to number two out of four. Okay. Here we go. Other consequentialists focus on our intrinsic values. Do you know what intrinsic means? I don't. It's like natural. It's things that come naturally. That's something that's intrinsic. So okay. our intrinsic values. Here's an example. Pretty much everyone would agree that stealing is wrong. Doesn't mean people yes. don't do it, but no one would say stealing is the right thing to do ever. But if you steal medicine for your dying six-year-old son, the moral action of stealing actually changes. Stealing resulted in saving someone's life. And because we assign such a high value to the human life, certain consequentialists would argue that stealing was the right thing to do. Okay. The action became morally good, even though 
we all are like stealing's bad that's an intrinsic value however the intrinsic value of the human life overpowers that i, I see okay and it's usually used about anything with saving a human life so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna give you an example of what i'm thinking that this could relate to mm-hmm. and you'll tell me if this is accurate or not okay in the past i had to do a casper test to get into the program that i'm in which is basically like an ethical test online that you have to pay for and that takes like an hour to do and one of the questions that it gave me, which I don't know if relates to this or not, is that you're working in like a high fashion store. You're the manager, you own it, and someone comes in and they're like, I want to return this purse, but your store has a no return policy. And she's like, I need to get my, the money back for this purse so I could pay for like my chemo or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what would you do in that situation? You have three minutes to write an answer. It's the most stressful thing. But would that relate to this term of consequentialism that we're talking about right now yeah yeah completely because what you're assuming the consequence of giving this woman a refund back on the purse is that you're you have the ability to save her life so that's Mm -hmm. completely based on intrinsic value let's take that same example and add a little more spice add a little more detail so we know that the woman steals medicine for her six-year-old son and the consequence was that that son survived his sickness we, that's a okay. life saved what you should also know is that she stole that medicine from an orphanage filled with 20 babies all suffering from the same sickness and the consequence of her actions resulted in all 20 babies dying damn so this brings up an entirely new theory, which says it doesn't matter that you saved a life because you killed 20 doing it. So this sort of consequentialism argues that a consequence is good if it is good for the greatest amount of people. It's all about the numbers. So at the end of the day, the three different points of, I guess, ethics or consequentialism kind of go against each other in a way. Yeah, they, contradict they all. Each other. Oh, yeah. Everything always constantly, no one's friends with anyone in ethics. <laughs> I see. Okay. They all, because they all have their different opinions. Overall, this theory is about doing what's best for society as opposed to doing what's best for you. The last consequentialist theory I want to look at is centered around doing what's best for you. <laughs> so, really, it's not at all like the last one. It's truly about putting your interest first. There's some forms of of this i'm just gonna say the name i don't care there's gonna be an episode on it it's egoism it's a fun name to say so there's some forms of egoism that are like everyone in the world should do what's best for me but that obviously is illogical because how is everyone supposed to do what's best for you including you but then you can't apply to everyone else because that means you're not doing what's best for them but they're thinking that you have to it doesn't make any sense the actual logical egoism is everyone looks out for themselves every man for themselves you do what's best for you i do what's best for me she does what's best for her he does what's best for him they do what's best for themselves does narcissism play a role in that no like no so why why because egoism in psychology is vastly different from egoism in philosophy in ethics it doesn't have anything to do with being narcissistic it's just a theory of how to have happiness again i don't live by egoism it wouldn't be practical but i don't disagree with the thought process right because if i don't have to care about other people you could probably find success better and if success is going to lead you to happiness then hey that's worth it you know what i mean so it's a theory like all the rest of them but the one big issue that i find in egoism is that i don't know if it can actually be considered a normative ethical practice because an egoist And I really need you to pay attention to this because I don't know if I'm going to make a lot of sense. So just try really hard to understand me. (laughs) 
An egoist can't logically recommend egoism to other people because it's so much easier to be successfully selfish if everyone around you is not as selfish as you are. So I could sit here and tell you to use ethical egoism to live your best life, but I will not tell you that because doing so would go against my own self-interest. An egoist could never recommend egoism to other people, so I don't know if it can actually be a normative practice it's more just like a personal philosophy. Yeah. No, that that you lost me kind of at the beginning of that, but at the end you you pulled it all together. It made sense. Right? Like it's just not it can't be the whole point of normative practices is that they aren't created to say everyone actually does this. It's just theories of if we all did this, life could be this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I don't think this can count because how could we all do this so it's just a little i don't know i find it very interesting i can't wait to cover it especially with the person that i'm covering it with on that episode it's gonna be great it's gonna be dope but that is definitely like something that i'm like are you even should you be allowed in this club i don't know it's up for debate yeah so yeah those are four different examples of consequentialism now of course because it's the back of the class and we we aren't one-sided here we like to explore all sides we got to talk about the criticisms of consequentialism because okay. not everyone's a fan you know you're gonna have the haters you had the haters and the haters were you on that one video of you as a kid. So you understand what having <laughs> haters is like. And now we gotta talk about the consequentialist haters. All right. So a major criticism is that it doesn't ever consider the individuals who have to deal with the consequences of the moral actions. I'll give you an example now. I have to preface this example. What I am about to say, I need every listener to listen very closely to this, take in every detail. What I'm about to say is extremely controversial to many people, but I think it's a very good example to use, and I am approaching it with both sensitivity and also with plain facts. So before anyone gets emotionally invested, I am only approaching this with the factoids, and I'm a part of the minority, so just think of that too. Okay. In 1948, the state of Israel was founded, and this was directly after the effects of the Holocaust. Of course, many people can argue from the point of Zionism that, you know, biblically speaking, Israel was always Jewish land. But legally speaking, we're talking legally here, legally speaking, the formation of a Jewish state, which we know as Israel, was the direct result of the Holocaust. Using this example, and it is extreme, that is the point, <laughs> a consequentialist might not be able to deem the Holocaust happening as a bad thing because it resulted in the Jews getting a land of their own. The consequentialist might say that receiving that land, which is so important to you, it means that the Holocaust wasn't ethically bad in the first place, which is obviously not the case. But that, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. That's an example that critics might point out that, you know, if you use consequentialism in everything, you would have to say this, which is just not right. The Holocaust was obviously bad. And it will always be an example of ethical badness, no exception. So I can see why in extreme examples, consequentialism just very clearly fails. All right. I, I, have, an, I have an unrelated question for you now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, but in terms of I probably law, will. I know everything. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of law, do they have a go-to, as you gave four examples in terms of consequentialism, mm -hmm. do they have one that overpowers something because they, they could be like oh well you did this and you're gonna go to jail because that's screwed up and you should be focusing on other people instead of yourself mm. or like do they have something that well 
That's a very good thing, Aaron. Um, you are asking that question. We're recording it before the episode is released. But in episode 12, period two, I okay. actually discussed this with Ben Bongard, and I will bring it back in case any of you, for some reason, didn't listen to that episode. It's a great episode. You should go listen to that. Uh, they do have something that they... And I can only speak for Western law, obviously. I can't speak internationally. I just don't know. But at least Western, the legal system is founded off of this idea of um, moral absolutism. The point of absolutism is to say, like, it doesn't matter what happened in the hours leading up to it. You shot someone and that already means that you have a year of jail time or whatnot. It's to set, mm -hmm. like, standards. Standards, yeah. pretty much. The thing is... <laughs> This is a fun thing. The thing is, is that our legal system is supposed to be absolute. And some could argue that it shouldn't be because you can look at examples like ethical consequentialism here where the woman before the 20 babies thing, she stole, but she stole to save her son. Lots of people would argue she shouldn't get the same amount of jail time that someone might get if they just stole for fun. Right. But that's not how the legal system is set up. However, however, all of the systemic racism built into our legal system has been helped by moral absolutism. It's completely founded off of that ethical realm. So you asked a really good question. And we do talk about that more in episode 12, period two. Listen to that, please. The last thing I want to talk about is this idea of negative consequentialism. So negative consequentialism says that instead of trying to always maximize good consequences, we should just simply be trying to minimize bad ones, which is quite easy to understand. It's like I've said before on this podcast, if you can't be a good person, at least try not to be a bad one. That, that's a fair way of living. Yeah. Like that's kind <laughs> of the idea. Like, I don't know, negative consequentialists were just like, I'm not like other girls. I'm consequentialist, but like a little bit different. Like just, you don't have to be constantly worried about whether you're doing the right thing. Just Make sure when you're making decisions and doing actions, you're not doing the thing that will result in something bad. Can you think of an example? I'm asking you for another example. This one's going to be great. Okay. Can you think of an example where it might be appropriate to use negative consequentialism? Like you're just trying to not make the situation worse. I think that the first example that used the example of buying ice cream, if you like this one more, I'll just take whatever one that you don't like. I'll suck it up. So yeah. You're not wrong. I'm just thinking you're slightly cheating by repeating the same example. I apologize. That's in my head. You just want ice cream. <laughs> man, now, now I'm just craving. That's what I want for breakfast. Um, it's 3 p.m. Man, I'm really struggling with these examples today. I can't think of one. Okay, I have an example. Okay. You are like talking to your friend. Your friend's vegan. Okay, that's the vibe. And they're like, you should really stop buying fast fashion and you're like yeah i know but i can't afford sustainable clothing because it's all a million dollars but then they keep talking and they're like okay but look at what fast fashion does the negative consequentialist thing to do would be for me to stop buying fast fashion but also that doesn't mean i'm gonna start buying sustainable fashion i have enough clothes in my closet and now i'm like i'm doing the thing that that doesn't make the situation worse 
but I'm not helping the environment by supporting these small businesses with sustainable fashion. I'm not going out of my way to buy plants to feed my home with sustainability. I'm not, I'm not going on this pursuit to make the world so much better. I'm just trying not to do the bad thing anymore. Yeah. You meet someone who obviously they know like how to recycle, but like when someone doesn't have a compost and it's like 2021 and I'm like, how do you not have a compost? No one's asking you to set up solar panels on your house, ma'am. It's a compost. It's one extra thing. It's literally like having two separate garbage cans. It's something simple that you can change that has has a wider impact on the world. And nowadays, because co- having compost are so normal, no one would look at that and think, wow, every time I put something in the compost, I'm making the world a better place. No one thinks that. It's just the compost if you have a compost. So therefore, you're not going out of your way to like save the world by having a compost. You're just not doing the bad thing. That's a really good way of looking at it. That is actually the end of the topic. We've covered everything. So what are your what are your thoughts overall on consequentialism? I feel like I learned well, I, I learned a lot more on the topic based on me having absolutely no background information on it. But I'm kind of intrigued as to what the rest of the season is gonna look like in terms of learning and going more into detail about the different types of it that we didn't super go into today. Mm-hmm. And how, how those ones work. I've made you interested. I've made oh, the listeners interested. interested. I've left them on a cliffhanger. A little bit. Okay, so you're excited for the future of this season, of season four. I'm excited, you're excited. I had a blast having you on today. I am really honored that you picked me to open up season four, and I'm really excited to listen to see, like I mentioned, how everything's going to play out. Aaron will be back. Don't you fret. And if you're missing him, in the meantime, just have his uh, I Will Be Famous YouTube video playing on loop. Yeah. I can speak from personal experience that that really does help heal the pain. (laughs) You're, you're single-handedly bringing up my view count by 100 each day. Oh my god, I'm so, I'm so... Well, hopefully... I don't know where I was going with that, but if I could get my listenership to up to 100 at least a day, that'd be swell. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? I'll I'll plug my uh, Aaron Jamier YouTube channel to get... This is where you find all of the greatest tech tips uh, after one year of... Uh, them being released you can also uh hit me up on instagram at aaron jamier or i i don't post anything there but just for fun if you want any more information on consequentialism you know who to talk to if, if jordan's busy oh yeah they're gonna hit you up for that for sure for sure please for, for help on conscientiousism <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. right <laughs> Well, listeners, thank you so much for listening. My name is Jordan Preston. This has been the Back of the Class podcast. And if A, we are going to have like four more episodes in the season four on the four things that we talked about in this episode. And B, you're all dying to know what the four names of those theories of the things that we talked about in this episode are then see i might as well tell you gosh you didn't have to pry it out of me y'all are so silly we will discuss utilitarianism hedonism egoism aestheticism and altruism (laughs) excuse me class class